You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual A lot of times we start the show with me ranting and raving about some story, something in small town America, the heartland, that pisses me off because it's sex negative or crazy or kids are getting bullied in that shithole little town. And we're going to do a little, something different here at the top of the show. I'm going to heap praise on a very small town, a town of just 1,500 people in Oklahoma, O-K-L-A, H-O-M-A, Oklahoma, Yow. So uh, I was reading the story, and this quote jumped out at me. This is a, this is a quote for the ages. This needs to be engraved on some of our public buildings. My wife is six foot three and weighs 300 pounds. If there is somebody that thinks they can control her, have at it. I've tried for 11 years and haven't been able to. So said the police chief of Snyder, Oklahoma, after he got in trouble because his wife posted some nude photographs of herself to an internet website. He got in trouble. He got hounded out of his job. He was forced to resign. And that is par for the course in small town America, right? Sex negative, freaking out. Everybody's got dirty pictures online, apparently, except the 1,500 souls in Snyder, Oklahoma. But this is where it turns. This is where I want to heap some praise on some folks in small town America. The mayor of Snyder and a city council member sided with the police chief and resigned in protest protesting the actions of the 1,500 douchebags in the small town that elected them. I'm going to read a little bit from the AP story. Bernard the councilman said he didn't want to be associated with the police chief's detractors because I've never read anywhere in the good book that the Lord wanted us to persecute those that did not hold the same morals or values as us. And the mayor told the Oklahoman that he believes the way Osman was treated is wrong and I do not want to work in a community like this. God bless you, Council Member Bernard. God bless you, Mayor Dale Moore. As for everybody else in Snyder, Oklahoma, your calls after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Uh, hi, Dan. Um and tech-savvy at-risk youth. I have a question about condoms. Um, I was just wondering, um, so say I'm using a condom, and I ejaculate, and I finish, but I'm still hard, and we're still going at it. Um, is it okay to use the same condom after ejaculating in it once? Condoms, like all birth control methods, have what's called in the sex ed biz a failure rate. And the failure rate for condoms is kind of high. It's between 10 and 18% a year. If you use condoms perfectly, and that's the problem most people don't, the failure rate is only 2%. Here's how condoms fail. They break and they leak if you use them incorrectly. Using a condom twice, using a condom that's already full of spunk, and then resuming the fucking because you have no refractory period and you're 18 years old or whatever the fuck you are and you can go right from hard on to hard on 
that guarantees, all but guarantees that there will be leakage because the bottom of the condom is now full of your spunk because you had your first orgasm. And then when you start fucking, you're basically pushing your dick down into the condom and forcing the semen that's already at the bottom of the condom up through the sides of the condom and out through the top of the condom. And then you're going to pound that semen into your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Don't want to make any assumptions here. And your condom will have failed because you failed. You know, condoms usually don't fail. People fail condoms. Condoms don't fail people. And if you use a condom twice in a row, you have flunked condoms. And you really have to be kind of an idiot to flunk a condom. Don't be kind of an idiot. Invest in a whole pack of condoms. If you have an orgasm, take it off, tie it off, throw it over your shoulder, put a brand new fresh one on, and fuck the shit out of her again. Hey, Dan. Uh, I am a uh, 19-year-old college student, and I've been in a relationship with my girlfriend now for about a year. And she just recently told me today that um, she's changing over her birth control uh, from maneuvering into some other sort of oral-taking bill. And... Um, she sort of made this passing remark about having me help pay for it and uh, that some of her other friends had, people, or their boyfriends were uh, chipping in to help pay for their uh, birth control. And um, I sort of laughed it off, but I think she sort of was serious and I don't know if this is like a thing. I guess it all depends on how badly you don't want your girlfriend to get pregnant. How invested, literally, you are in her not getting pregnant and you're not making a baby. Clearly, you know, maybe this is a, an emerging norm that guys are chipping in for a little bit of the birth control because they're enjoying the fringe benefits of the birth control, which is uh, perhaps condom-free sex in the context of a monogamous committed relationship where you both are pretty aware of each other's health statuses otherwise. Just like people chip in for gas. Hey, we're driving to Daytona and back. Chip in a little something for gas. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. She tried to broach the subject in a kind of passive, girly way that a lot of young women will, where she's not saying, this is what I want. Oh, you want you want into this pussy? You're going to pony up some dough for the birth control, just so you know. She's not being assertive. She's sort of suggesting, hey, my friends are doing this, and my friends are doing that. What do you think? Offer to help pay for the birth control in exchange for continued access to the pussy. Hi, Dan. My name is Amanda, and I'm 27 years old. I needed your opinion on something kind of complicated. Uh, some background information on me. I was sexually abused when I was six years old by my eldest brother. And even though I've had expensive therapy, I've never really been able to get over it because I still have to see him on a regular basis. Uh, and as an, adult, as an adult, I have a slight fear of men, which hasn't really caused a lot of problems. But recently, my boyfriend, who I've been seeing for the past eight or nine months, uh, has brought up the, like, raping me for sexual foreplay. And when he first brought it up, it scared me. And he doesn't know about my past. Uh, I was going to talk to him about it, about how that's not okay to bring it up. But then I had the thought, well, what if I let him? What if I let him rape me? And maybe it would be therapeutic in some kind of fashion. But as I discussed this with my friend, he just thought that it would just be more traumatic. And I'm not really sure. I think maybe it could be taking some of the power back. 
but I do know that it could be traumatic. So I was wondering what you think of the whole situation. Of course, I would tell my boyfriend about the trauma before we do this, just so he's prepared for any aftermath. So has there been any developments? You haven't launched into this, have you? Um, No, actually, me and the boyfriend I spoke of broke up. (laughs) Good. I mean, and it's not good that you broke up, and I apologize. Uh, I I just mean I'm glad that you didn't just go with this without thinking about it more deeply and perhaps informing him. Uh, So where are you at right now with this whole idea of uh, power exchange slash rape play being perhaps therapeutic? And have you talked about this with anybody else? Um, No, friends I've talked to, but nobody professional. Okay, well, you're still talking to nobody professional. Now, just to, to like back way the hell up, you know, when we talk about power exchange and rape play, there are a lot of people who've experienced sexual abuse uh, or who have been raped who do engage in power play games um, and are turned on by even rape scenarios. And there are a lot of people who were never sexually abused or raped who are also turned on by these scenarios. So the turn on can be completely independent of the ex- the history of abuse. Uh, and can just be a coinky-dink, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like, though, what you were perhaps intrigued about wasn't a recreation of your experience. The Usually when people talk about eroticized rape play, it's stranger rape, it's adults, and it looks and and plays out very differently in this game than you know the kind of familial sexual abuse that you described. Right, I don't want... To recreate it. Right. So, so I'm just saying, I, I'm saying good. And, and I, I'm saying here that therefore what your ex-boyfriend uh, suggested and you contemplated momentarily was a whole different animal, was a whole different sort of uh, arena erotics. It wasn't a recreation of, of what you'd gone through. It wouldn't necessarily be therapeutic. It wouldn't address any lingering issues about familial sexual abuse. It would, however, perhaps symbolize for you uh, a seizing control of your sexual life uh, and your own power to determine what it is you are going to do or not going to do in the sack with people uh, that you have consensual sexual relationships with. Right. I kind of just feel like maybe it would take the power out of the situation. If I chose to do it in any kind of form, it might. When I didn't choose to do it, it, it wouldn't seem so bad. It very well might. It also very well very well could be a triggering incident that does traumatize you. Therefore, you would need to, if you decided to do this with somebody else, fully inform them. I would suggest that you get with a therapist, a professional, and chat about it and not like open-ended therapy forever and ever. We have to re-unpack everything all over again. But just to talk about this, somebody to hash this out with, and anybody you would do this with, if you are intrigued and this is something you want to do, and I would hate for you not to do the thing sexually that you want to do for fear of lingering issues or damage from this incident because then you really have been robbed of additional sort of sexual control, sexual pleasure in your adult life by your abuser. And that's not right either. I definitely do what I do want to do. Good. But you need to talk this out with somebody. I would hate for you to jump in and have a triggering sort of episode that traumatizes you and also traumatizes your partner. Because if this, if you're with somebody who is into consensual power exchange games, including rape scenarios, it can be very traumatic for that person to you know, be taking baby steps and doing everything very conscientiously and obtaining consent. 
for it to blow up in his face. You do need to inform him about your history and that you've never done this sort of thing before. And you guys really need to take things slowly. Right, and I wouldn't do it with anybody unless I completely trust Nor should you do it with anyone that you don't completely trust. Do you think that um, the rape has anything to do with being into BDSM as well as a sub? You know, there are all sorts of studies out there, some showing a linkage, some showing no linkage. If you get involved in the BDSM community, you will meet people who say that they're into spanking or being spanked because they were spanked as children, and you'll meet people who say that they were never spanked as children, and they've therefore found it intriguing, and that brought them into the BDSM scene. So it's just kind of a crapshoot. It is kind of a crapshoot, and a lot of times when people have a kink, they will look back through their life and say, oh, it's because of that. That event, that experience, that explains it. And that can be a little pat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If that helps you live with your kink, love your kink, understand your kink, be at peace with your kink, maybe that's okay to say, oh, yeah, that. You know, I tripped and fell. That's why I'm into tripping and falling erotically now. (laughs) It's not always that easy. You know, the human brain is huge and complex, and we don't always know why some people seize on some things. We do know that people will eroticize their fears, whether those fears have ever been realized in their lives or not. That makes sense. Uh, I just wondered why I would like being hurt. It just doesn't make really a whole lot of sense. Well, you fear being hurt. You, it is a way of taking control of uh, your fears. You know, sometimes you can experience something that fills you with dread in a completely controlled environment where you can call it off at any moment and you can confront your fears and overcome them and have an orgasm in the process. And that can be very empowering. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So long as you don't go bull in a china shopping through it thoughtlessly Especially with the and traumatize thing. yourself or traumatize your partner. Yeah. Yes. Especially if it took you years and years and years of counseling to come to terms and grips, especially if you still have to see your abuser, and that's traumatizing. You, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, saying you need to be thoughtful, take it slow. You know, if you want power games, you know, BDSM, uh, I always say are cops and robbers for grownups with your pants off. <laughs> and there's a whole continuum for cops and robbers with grownups with your pants off. And you can start very, uh, with very subtle power exchange stuff. And work your way toward a scenario that is perhaps more along the lines of what you're thinking about and what turns you on. But start with very subtle, you know, I want to have sex with you and this time hold me down a little. I've had doms before and I've been very much into BDSM play, but I've never just gone to the rape side. So I'm very much comfortable with everything else but rape. Are you interested in doing it? Does it turn you on? Is it something you masturbate about? Is it something you think about? No, I've never thought about it until he said he wanted to rape me. Was it something you thought about doing for him? Uh, yeah, I guess so, because I liked him. And now he's gone. Yeah. Now he's out of your life. Is it something you think you want to do f- on your own, for your own self, with your next partner, or is it something you really have no interest in? I wouldn't have any interest in it if I, thought, if I didn't think that it might help me in some other way. Don't do I it. wouldn't do it just to get off. Don't do it. It's not therapy. It's not Clonopin. It's not Prozac. Right. You know, if there's not some deep-seated burning desire on your part uh, to experience this aspect of power play, BDSM, cops and robbers for grown-ups with their pants off, I would leave it alone. 
if it was, you know, healing, if it was sort of understood to be automatically be healing, uh, therapists would recommend it, and they don't. Leave it alone. Find another way to get over it. Yeah. Move out of Michigan. Yeah, I would definitely move far, far away if I had had the experience you had had and I was forced to see my abuser at family get-togethers. I'm working on it. Good luck. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Make this Valentine's Day one you'll both never forget with this amazing offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you'll receive 50% off just about any item. Just go to adamandeve.com and you'll find over 18,000 adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and a seemingly endless selection of adult DVDs. With every order, you'll receive Adam and Eve's free romance kit. The romance kit includes a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something you'll both enjoy. Plus, a free adult DVD. They're also throwing in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's offer, good through February 14th only. Just enter offer code SAVAGE. That's SAVAGE at adamandeve.com. Hey, Dan. This is Adam from Atlanta. Uh, My current girlfriend and I have been together since March, and the summer was was amazing. Uh, We had a a great time. Um, But, you know, I've noticed more and more that I don't, I don't know how well she can take care of herself and um, the power dynamic in the relationship has greatly changed over to my favor, I guess. Recently, my girlfriend has taken ill. She had bronchitis, uh, which I don't think would have been her fault, but, you know, she, she waited so long to go to the doctor after I'd been asking her to go do that and look after her health. Also for her to look after her, uh, dog. Um, we didn't have a very clear cut conversation about moving in, but it became apparent that she was living with me and not with her roommate through the summer, which was fine as long as she had the safety apartment. Uh, but she had a fight with her, um, with her roommate and, uh, now, you know, kind of canceling that lease. Uh, recently in the last week, she, uh, fell down some stairs. Uh, she was wearing stockings and slipped at the very end, but she's been bedridden. And the strain of taking care of her and her dog while she literally can't, you know, go to the bathroom is, is affecting the way that I look at her. Um, and, you know, of course, I've been thinking about breaking it off. But as a GGG uh, person, I, I feel that I need to wait until she at least can get around and move around. You know, I've encouraged her to do some good things, too, in, in terms of the campsite rule, like, uh, you know, get, get a new job that's good for her, and she's going back to school next semester. But I want to, I'm, I'm just not sure on how long I should wait uh, before, or, or, you know, nurse her to health before I can start talking about, or to her about um, how I've been feeling. So I was calling you back uh, to give you my advice, but it sounds like there's been a major development. Before you tell us what the development is, can I tell you what my advice would have been, and then we'll see if it jived with what actually went down? Uh, definitely, yeah. I would have advised you to get her on her feet, uh, to nurse her a little bit, just to put some dough on the karma bank, and then to dump her, but to like decide in your head so that you weren't feeling... 
like every day meant you were in that much deeper and you'd never get out in your own head resolve and you know detach and say okay this is over when she's on her feet over when she's on her feet i'm going to be as polite and kind as possible as i can right now but it's over once she's on her feet what are you doing are you chewing something well in atlanta it just snowed uh three inches so i'm out walking her pomeranian um But uh, so what just happened is, you know, I I resolved myself that, yes, I needed to make sure that she was okay. Um, You know, we had gotten her back in school. And um, once it was apparent today and yesterday that she was up and walking around, she was definitely going to school. I knew I needed to let her know. Because nobody wants to have that, like, you know, oh, I've been holding back on you for weeks. I have said in the past that you don't want when you're dumped to realize that the person wanted to dump you months earlier and then be humiliated by the memory of everything that transpired from the moment you did realize that they wanted out to the moment they got out. Better to rip the yeah. bandit off, dump them right away, except when somebody's ill, ailing, not on their feet, helpless, and really needs you at that moment. But so you told her it's over and she... Yeah. Well, I mean... Or did you just put a pillow over her face and keep the dog? Minutes ago. So, I mean, I told her that I loved her very much. I still love her very much, but that I didn't think that, you know, our relationship was working out or something that is beneficial for the two of us. And she's uh, glad that she's going back to school. And, um, you know, of course, you're going to stay here at my place until you can find somewhere to go. And I'll be as congenial as possible. Uh, I gave her, she asked a few questions. And um, then after a little bit, I asked her if she wanted me to leave. And she asked me to walk the dog. Wow, I hope she's she's not swinging from a rope when you get back to the apartment. Yeah, well, I'm going to do the best I can to make sure that she's all right. Um, Kind of guide her towards her brother who lives north of here, see if he can help out. But the hardest part was just making the time to do it. I had a friend over and made sure that... We were alone, quiet. I don't know. I'm rambling now. Anyways, it was good that it's good that she has family out there that you can reach out to and let them know, or let her know to reach out to them. It does yeah. feel like she kind of cornered you. I don't think anybody gets bronchitis on purpose or falls down the stairs on purpose. <sighs> but somebody well, does. She it sounds like she was heaping responsibility on you. Responsibility for whether she went back to school. Responsibility for whether she went to the doctor. Whether she took her dog to the vet. Responsibility when she didn't have a place to live. Your mistake when she backed out of that lease was not saying at that moment, "You can't live with me. It's too soon, and I don't want to live with you right now or anybody." Yeah, and you know, I don't think I would have. I, I listened to your podcast at work. Uh, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners, and uh, I kind of kept reminding myself some stuff. So people have picked up from you, Dan. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, and uh, give my regards to the Pomeranian. Oh yeah, yeah. So Luis Latrex is doing really well. He likes the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 19 year old female. I came out as bisexual a little over a year ago, and then a bit later as a lesbian. But I'm sort of wondering about that. A while back, I was at a party, and I was looking for a friend, and this guy came up to me and was really forward and grabbed my ass, which I don't put up with from strangers of any gender, especially drunk dudes at parties. Um, But later that night, I I got tired of dancing in a group, so I decided that since this guy was clearly into me, or at least my ass, I would dance with him. And since I like to dance dirty, and it wasn't really safe to dance with a girl at this party, and, like, no girl had expressed interest in me anyway. So we, we were dancing, and then he started kissing me, which I didn't want him to, so I tried to leave, but he didn't really let me. 
So I told him I had to pee, and he followed me into the house, and I sort of let him put me into the kitchen, and he sexually assaulted me. I know that part wasn't my fault, and that no matter what I did or drank or whatever, I that I didn't deserve to have that happen to me, but I have a question about it, because if I really wasn't into guys, why did I pick out a guy who was clearly going to be assertive, if not aggressive, when I was deciding who to dance with? Um, the only people I've told about this are, like, people who wouldn't blame me at all. So no one will say if it says anything about my orientation because they're so busy not blaming me that like, I can't get any guidance about if this means I'm bi or still a lesbian or what. So if you could help me, that'd be great. All right. I realize your question is about sexual orientation. What does this incident say about your sexual orientation that you, as you say, initiated this? You approached this guy to dance with you. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of reeling from, from your call a little bit. So this dude at a party grabs your ass, and you don't put up with that sort of behavior from men or women, this drunk dude. And then tired of dancing alone, you danced with him. You made the choice to dance with him. And then you just toss out there as an aside, and I had to listen twice to catch it. You like to dirty dance. So uh, ostensibly you're taking some responsibility there for doing the kind of dancing that you like to do with this dude, initiating it, consenting to it, which was dirty dancing, so grinding with this guy that did something that you don't put up with. And maybe things got a little unclear. So, So far this guy is thinking, I grabbed her ass, then she asked me to dance, now she's grinding on me. You're, mess- you're, you're sending a lot of mixed messages there, I think. Well, no, you're not sending any mixed messages there. You're sending one message pretty loud and clear, which is, I approve of your having grabbed my ass. I went and sought you out after. I am, a tra- I am now rubbing my body against your body. Any reasonable person under those circumstances would interpret that as an expression of interest. Not consent to anything that might happen later, but interest and then you say you got tired and you wanted to leave and you said you, you had to go pee and he followed you and then you were sexually assaulted in the kitchen. What did that sexual assault look like exactly? I would like to know and I think you should think about it. Did he initiate a makeout session that you didn't want to participate in but you were similarly unclear about your lack of interest? Could he, was he unable to interpret your not consenting to this because you were dirty dancing with him and making out with him and you didn't know how to, uh, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble here. I agree with your friends. Whatever happened that made you sad and uncomfortable and that you regret, you didn't deserve to have that happen. Based on your behavior of the rest of the evening, which is not to say you can't, a girl can't get drunk at a party and be sexually assaulted and that a girl can't decide to dirty dance with a guy one minute and the next minute say, look, leave me alone. It's over. It's done. And she should have her feelings respected and the withdrawal of her consent should be acknowledged and respected. And if he pushes past that and assaults her, that's a crime. But based on all your sort of hemming and hawing and twisting and pendulum swinging earlier, uh, I just, I want to see the videotape before I declare you a victim of a clear-cut sexual assault and declare this guy a rapist. But what does it all say about your sexual orientation? Are you lesbian or bi? I don't know, but 
I think when somebody behaves in certain ways when they're drunk, that they wouldn't behave when they were sober, that often, which, you know, in vino veritas, often you're getting to a truth, if not the truth, but something that gives us a little more insight into who that person is or what that person's capable of. I think you do have a touch of the by, perhaps, and it was unleashed by the booze, boozy night for you, boozy night for him, boozy night for everybody. Regrettable things happened. Resolve in future if you can't handle the booze to drink less of it. Let your friends who are also concerned about your well-being know that when you're at a party and you're hammered and you're dirty dancing with the guys that you don't want to be left alone uh, and they should keep an eye on you because you've had unfortunate experiences in the past and those sorts of situations that you regretted and made you feel bad and made you call asshole faggots with sex advice podcasts who made you feel worse. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm a 26-year-old gay male. Um, I was calling because I had uh, an interesting thing happen recently. Uh, I, I don't know much of my extended family very well, and at a recent family event, I met um, some new cousins and stuff that I'd never met um, or known really in any capacity. And it turns out one of them is near my age and uh, also gay. And it kind of made me wonder, uh, what, what do you think, like, would it be weird to have sex with your cousin, even though I've never met him and I really have no emotional attachment to him? Because I get it for boys and girls because your kids would be fucked up or whatever. But uh, for gay guys, I never really thought about that. Uh, so anyway, just thought I'd call and ask. Thanks so much. Love your show. Bye. Cousin marriage. We're not even talking about cousin humping or cousin making out or cousin 69ing or cousin ass fucking cousin marriage is legal in half the united states half of our beautiful u.s states and legally recognized in all of them and very common and only began to be banned in the states where it's banned in about the 1880s thanks to the eugenics movement uh so there's this concern about three-headed babies which is unfounded for the most part the risks of cousin marriage for making three-headed babies is very, 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 very low. The risks for cousin sexual assignations between same-sex cousins making three-headed babies, very, 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 very low. You are in the clear. Fuck the boy. Hi, Dan. Uh, I have a, a question about etiquette when two friends who are in a relationship end up breaking up. Um, as a bit of backstory, I have one really, really good friend, and I've been friends with her for like 14 years and then I have another uh, friend who's been an acquaintance for probably five years, but in the last two or so, I know him in the context of dating my really good friend. Um, they just they were on and off for a while, and I just had a final blowout that seems to be the final breakup. Um, and just a few minutes ago, I got a text message that the, the guy that I knew less well seems to have sent, intending it to be from some, intending it to send to someone else meaning that I got it from act by accident. Um, and the text message said that basically my good friend cheated on him and that's why he broke up with her. But I don't believe that to be true. Um, so my question is, should I tell her about this text message that he's apparently telling people that she cheated on him or should I stay out of it? Um, I really do not want to be involved in this breakup uh, in any extent. Um, but I do feel like my good friend should know if he's saying things about her that are not true. 
I also wonder if maybe the text message was not sent accidentally and he wanted me to forward it or to start something. So um, anyway, just uh, wanted to know your thoughts on this and what is the proper role for mutual friends in a breakup. If you want to stay out of it, stay out of it. If you want to stay out of it, keep your mouth shut. Uh, if you want to jump in, jump in. Here's how you do it. You can go to your friend and say, I heard something and it's a little disturbing and I'm only going to tell you if you don't tell your ex or anybody that you heard it from me or that you got it from me. And then when she promises that she won't bring your name up as the source of the dirt, you show her the text. Don't forward it to her, just show it to her. And then the chances that she'll bring your name up when she goes screaming to her ex-boyfriend and accusing him of gossiping about her behind her back are about 92%, I'd say. In the end, it will come out that you were involved. How high a value do you place on your relationship with your really good friend's ex who's only a moderately good friend? If you value her friendship more, it should be worth risking the end of your relationship with him. That said... Lots of people cheat. And if the only people who cheated were the people you looked at and said, oh, yeah, they are totally capable of cheating, nobody would ever get cheated on because no one would ever get into a monogamous relationship with somebody that they could perceive as being completely capable and likely to cheat. So the fact that you look at your friend and you see this aura of you know, uncorruptible goodness around her, not capable of any shitty act isn't proof that she didn't do exactly what her ex-boyfriend says that she did in that text message he accidentally sent to you. All that said, if you really want to stay out of it, there's only one way to stay out of it for sure, and that's to stay the fuck out of it. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Sid, and I'm calling in response to the four four lesbian who called um, on your last show of the year, 2019, I think, um, who was talking about how difficult it was to come out late. And uh, I'm glad that you took up snowboarding because you suck dick. And I also wanted to tell her, um, I am the child of a gay parent uh, who was married to a straight lady for a long time, and they ended up splitting up. And the thing that he got from that was figuring out who he was. And I know that it seems incredibly bleak right now, but that's a valuable thing for anybody of any orientation and I'm so proud of her and I'm so proud of my dad as well. So all the love to her and to him and to everybody that figures it out, no matter when that happens, it's incredibly valuable and will only become more so. So thanks for a great show and have a great year. Bye. Hi, Dan. I just have a response to the bi guy who called in episode 221. And I think that the advice that you gave him is right on as far as there are a whole lot of women out there, myself included, who just think that finding a bi guy is fucking Yahtzee. So um, I recently found one, and it was a guy that I'd known for a very long time, and I had no idea until we started dating, and then it was just jackpot, and, uh, you know, we haven't had any opportunity to explore uh, any of that yet. It's just we've been exclusive since we started seeing one another, but I just can't wait to hopefully engage in it one day. So, anyway, I just wanted to give that guy hope. There are lots of us out here. You just got to keep looking, keep revealing, and you'll find one of us, I promise. And when you do, 
you will be so happy you waited. Hey, Dan. I'm a longtime listener here, and I just wanted to let you know some happy news that just happened indirectly because of you. We were listening to your latest podcast episode, me and my girlfriend here in my bedroom, and we're both pretty sure she had her first orgasm while we're talking. So this has been sort of like, like I've, been, I've been trying to make a come for like a year now, and it finally happened while your podcast was on. So just thought you might like to know that, and feather in your cap. Thank you for the good work you do. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you, everybody, for your calls, your questions, your comments. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for your future show, please give us a call. 206-201-2720. Coming soon, Mistress Matisse will be joining us to build some more of your kink, bondage, SM, Mistress, Master, Slave questions. So if you have one that's uh, burning a hole in your brain, give us a call, record it, and we'll tackle it with Mistress Matisse in an upcoming show. And finally... Uh, any students at the University of Maryland out there among our listenership, a uh, little programming note just for you guys. I might be coming to visit your school, and I'm bringing a television crew with me to tape a TV show pilot. This is top secret. Don't tell anybody else. Just between you and me. Uh, we need to learn everything there is to know about Terp sex life. What are the dating trends, the kinky social media obsessions, the secret sex practices at your school? In short, what's the sexual temperature of your school? Send me an email, special email address this time, savageinfo at picturethistv.com, and tell me everything I need to know. Then please come to my upcoming Q&A session at the University of Maryland and put all your biggest, hardest, deepest questions about sex and relationships to me in person. Stick them to me in person. All right, 206-201-2720. Give us a buzz, everybody. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening.